0: Listeners, if you've just tuned in, this is Radio Maria and this is Awakenings, a program that looks at the faith journey and the conversion stories of guests. And today I have the pleasure of having Martin Furman with me here in the studio. Hi, good morning. It's lovely to have you with us. Um, And uh, already before we even went on air, the conversation started and I really have to hold myself back. When we do things like this, because um, I want to try and save as much as possible for the listeners, um, so just uh, uh, you know, we we kind of had to to keep that at bay. But um, I wonder if you could just give us a few um, kind of things about who you are before we go into your your story to, yep. to tell our listeners.
1: No yeah. problem at all. So good morning, everyone. It's lovely to be with you. Um, so my name is Martin, um, and I was born in Liverpool in England. And um, I went through my education and I studied psychology after that. And then I've lived in Northampton for about, oh gosh, 20 years now, I think. Mm-hmm. I work for Nationwide Building Society with social housing, which I really enjoy. Challenging sometimes, but really enjoy it most of the time. And I'm married to Fiona. So um, she might even be listening as we speak, although Wonderful. she's meant to be working.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Okay. And... um you you grew up in a Jewish family, which I think makes this conversion story particularly interesting. Um, and I think it's going to shed light on certain aspects of our faith that uh, we probably won't necessarily see, those of us who, who either come from a different Christian upbringing or from maybe a n- completely non-religious upbringing. But shall we get right into it? Absolutely. Tell us sort of how you grew up, what sort of environment that was. No problem.
1: So, yeah, as I said, I was born in Liverpool, uh, which has got quite a large Jewish community. Um, And my experience was it was an Orthodox community. so you have different branches of Judaism. you've got more liberal, you've got more Orthodox I was Orthodox Judaism. So I had my uh, circumcision when I was eight days old, uh, which I'm sure a lot of your listeners would know that's like the rite of circumcision that God established with Abraham mm-hmm. um, in the book of Genesis so that still continues to this day. Fortunately, you don't remember it mm-hmm. uh, but that's that's part and parcel of you know becoming in, in being in the Jewish community. And I went to a Jewish school, so my education, my friends, my whole social um, background was within that Jewish context. And I would go to the synagogue pretty much most weeks um, on the Saturday morning for Mm -hmm. the Sabbath. Um, My grandfather was a very devout uh, man, really, and looking back, I think he was quite a saintly man. Mm -hmm. And I always felt, gosh, there's something special about you, you know, very quiet, humble man, but a real deep man of prayer and I would go to the synagogue and I had my bar mitzvah when I was 13 Um, so that is when you read from the portion of the old testament that relates to your birthday and you read it in front of the community bit of a challenge when you're male and 13 because your voice is just about to break (laughs) so you can imagine you go from soprano to bass to tenor to soprano within one word or whatever so quite a challenge (laughs) yes um And it was very beautiful, if I'm honest. I probably didn't appreciate it as much as I could have done, because when you're 13, you don't really maybe fully appreciate it, or I certainly didn't. And my whole um, sort of experience with Judaism, I love the Jewish faith. Mm -hmm. You know, it felt special to have been brought up in it. But in my relationship with God, I certainly believed in God, But it was God the Father who was at a distance. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't say it was like that personal relationship, as I now understand that to be. But certainly God's provision and the wonders that God had worked for the Jewish people in the Old Testament. I love those stories. I still do to this Mm -hmm. day. My favorite one being the Passover. I just love the Passover story because it's such a sign of God's incredible power and grace and mercy. And how he uses, you know, Moses, who you know, who had a speech impediment, and yet God chose him to be his, spo- his spo- mm. spe- you know, person to speak for the people of Israel. So Passover, yeah, really beautiful, full of significance, and interesting foods as well. That yeah. was a real special one.
0: And um, the Bar Mitzvah, you said that you read the the readings that pertain to your birthday. What does that okay. mean? So um, you have your...
1: I'm thinking about it, just going back as well. When you're born, you're given a Hebrew name as well. So okay. my Hebrew name is Khunan Eliyahu. So Shall I try say that? Go on, go for it. Khunan Eliyahu. Fantastic. Ten out of ten. <laughs> I like it. So the Khunan comes from my... Um, Paternal grandma. Her name was Hannah or Anna, but the Hebrew equivalent is Chanan. Yeah. And then Eliyahu is Elijah in Hebrew. So that oh. was the name I was given at my circumcision, Chanan Eliyahu. It's almost like a baptism name. Absolutely. Okay. And then when you have your bar mitzvah, the phrases you're called up to read the portion of the Old Testament that ties in with your birthday date. So the readings for that week and you're called up in your Hebrew name. So for me, it was Hunan Eliyahu Ben Abraham, the son of Abraham, Mm. because my dad was Abraham. So do you know, what? it's very, very Uh, beautiful. And for those of your listeners that watch the chosen, it just gives you a feeling of what it was like, you know, reading the scriptures. Yes. So, um, And when I had my bar mitzvah, after I read the portion that was my week of my birthday... Um, the rabbi afterwards laid hands on me and prayed Aaron's priestly blessing. Oh, May the Lord bless you and protect you. May he cause his face to shine upon you. Mm-hmm. May he be gracious unto you and give you his peace. So it's almost like it's like a commissioning, really. Yeah, It is. So that's what the rabbi did after the bar mitzvah. And you thought, okay, great, thank you. As yeah. I say, I didn't really appreciate it probably as much as I should have done. But it was special. It was were special. There, were
0: there any other people having their bar mitzvah at the same time or was it um, just
1: you th- there were other people in other synagogues there were people who had because their birthday was near to mine so mm-hmm. in other synagogues in Liverpool they would have had theirs but it was just me I guess if there'd been somebody else in the synagogue we, it could have been a shared one Okay, I would have been grateful for that because okay. we you know it takes the pressure <laughs> off a little bit and you could say oh yeah le- you do the hard words I'll do the easy ones <laughs> yeah yeah
0: and then was there like a big meal after that yeah so normally
1: what you do you have it's in Hebrew um, it's called a kiddush yeah. So um and th- actually I'll come on to that word a little bit later sure, sure. but it's called a kiddish and that's like a celebration and it's thanking god for everything that he gives us yes. really it's all about thanksgiving glorifying god and sanctifying his name the actual word kiddush it comes from the root kadosh which is sanctification making holy right so you'd have a kiddush which would be food for the congregation in mm-hmm. celebration so you know cakes sandwiches wine whiskey everything right. and then the tradition is back at your home for your close family and friends you have a bit of a party
0: okay yeah so there's some similarities with maybe a confirmation. Absolutely, like that. And but then, do you feel like after that, um, the practice of the faith has still got other supports for it for young people, or is there, is there also a common kind of fallout that happens?
1: Yeah, I I would say. I mean, obviously, now that as you can see, I'm a little bit older than 13 now. Um, I I think it's probably similar in the Jewish faith as it maybe we find in Christian denominations that once mm-hmm. you go through that rite of passage. Um, In the world that we live in today, it's it's very difficult for, I would say, maybe any teenagers who want to continue the faith. That will probably be quite a challenge. Mm -hmm. And certainly in my experience, I suppose it was back in the 1980s. Because I was just brought up and the whole atmosphere that I breathed was in a Jewish context. It was just the norm to go to the synagogue on the Sabbath. I didn't yeah. go every week, but most weeks. And I was also, I, and I still am a big Liverpool football club fan. Sorry. So a lot of my prayers were about Liverpool being successful. Okay. So I believed in the power of prayer in the 1980s because Liverpool were the best side in Europe. So. There we go. <laughs> So but, but as I say I did have my faith but it was very much a god who was in the clouds it was a, an immature faith I would right, say right uh, but certainly believe that god had his hand on all of us in in a distant way shall we say
0: mm. that's very interesting um so you received you went through the bar mitzvah you received the ironic blessing yes and um and you had a living faith you weren't an agnostic no not at all not Not at at
1: all all. no i believed i believed in god and um and i I think the beautiful thing is and maybe you know some of our listeners will know this anyway um within communities i think when you're part of a minority Mm -hmm. religion or group or society you pull together yeah so the jewish community pretty much everybody in liverpool knew everybody and Mm. we're probably talking thousands of people wow so Everybody knew everybody else's business. Now, that can be good in some ways. As you can imagine, that can also be difficult in other ways as well. Uh, But it was very much, you know, a close knit community. And one of the beautiful things as well is if somebody in the community passes away, you have uh, the seven days of mourning. And you have to have a minimum of 10 people called a a minion. And that comes from when Abraham said, if there are only 10 just people, Lord, save, you know, save these people. So that's tradition of having 10 righteous people who are able to gather in prayer still continues. So in the community, if somebody was to pass away, sadly, you know, an email would go out and say, you know, somebody's passed away, please can people come so that we have a minion? And you'd probably end up with 50 people. Wow. So do you know what I mean? That that sense of community yeah. is yeah. very beautiful and very powerful and, yeah, really important. It's yeah. amazing. Did you go on any pilgrimages when you were growing up? Um that's a good question. I didn't, to be honest. I had the opportunity, which I, I didn't take, of going to Israel. Because okay. obviously, for the Jewish people, Israel is, is the Holy Land. It's the chosen land. And there's the spiritual desire to be in the Holy Land, mm. whether it be in this life or in the next. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know. I, I just didn't. I, I don't know. I just didn't feel a calling to go there. Right. So, funnily enough, my nephew and niece have just come back okay. from their mm-hmm trip to the holy land for two weeks and they loved it and one of the beautiful things they said was um my my nephew max he said it helped me to really appreciate my judaism more Mm -hmm. and i thought praise god for that that's Mm -hmm. wonderful Um I've since been since I became a Catholic yeah. and absolutely loved it. Incredible place.
0: Incredible. Yeah. And we're gonna so we're gonna get on to, <laughs> to how that happened. Let's take uh let's listen to our first piece of music um before we continue. And I've chosen Beautiful Saviour by Stuart Townend. And then uh, when we get back, we're going to carry on listening to the story of um, our guest today, Martin Furman, speaking about his conversion story from being an Orthodox Jew living in Liverpool and how he came to know Christ. All my days, I will sing the song of
1: gladness. Give my praise to the fountain of delights for in my helplessness
0: you heard... you're listening to awakenings on radio maria and um we have been talking to martin Furman about his conversion story from uh, judaism as being brought up in liverpool as an orthodox jew and um so i want to we we kind of got the idea of what it was like growing up in a in a Jewish family, um, not agnostic believing, uh, not just going through the motions, um, having a sense of the power of prayer, and um, and admiring your your. Uh, the people who had passed on this faith to you. So where do we go from here? Shall we, shall we go into sort of early adulthood? Yeah. What was your, your faith like? No then? problem.
1: Yep. So, yeah, so when I was uh, 18, I went to Preston to study psychology. Mm-hmm. Back then, I think it was called Lancashire Polytechnic. I think it's become a university now. And um, they had a terrible um, accommodation situation. They'd totally had oversubscribed the number of people that Mm. were studying there. So there was literally no accommodation. They were putting people up on the floor Mm. at the Pontins holiday camp. That's how bad it was. And as it happened, somebody who was at my school in the year above me, he was in his second year studying. Mm -hmm. So he said, listen, if you want for a short period of time, why don't you get a camp bed? We can share a room. And if you just take whatever space there is, you can stay there. I said, well, bless you. That's really, really kind because that's better than being on a floor in a holiday camp. (laughs) So that's what I did. Got a camp bed, did that. And there were two other people in the house and one of the other uh, people that was living in the house was a young girl girl called Emma. Mm -hmm. Obviously, I'd never met her before and she was also first-year psychology. And from the moment I met her, I thought, wow, there is something about you. She just had a peace and a joy and I have to say she was also very attractive. So I thought, oh, it's nice to meet such a lovely Mm -hmm. person as well. And as time went by we sort of struck up a good friendship. And she sort of shared with me that she was a Catholic. Um, she shared with me that she'd just come back from a youth pilgrimage in Medjugorje. Now, of course, I'd never heard of Medjugorje, didn't know really what a Catholic was. It right. was all alien words to me. And I thought, OK, great. I'm happy for you. That's really good.
0: Did you know anything about what I meant to be a Christian?
1: But only from the point of view that Christians believe that Jesus is the Messiah pretty okay. much that i had a very limited
0: knowledge um was there an, say. any negativity from your upbringing towards christians um
1: it's a, it's a difficult one to answer in some ways there was sort of by default because bear in mind my family had lived just after the Holocaust, and a mm. lot of my family did die at Auschwitz okay, well. and Bergen-Belsen. So my father had aunties and uncles. So yeah. it's remembering that backdrop, you know, that wasn't that long ago. Yeah. Um, so it wasn't explicitly anti-Christian, but as you can imagine, it was sort of a wariness, shall we say, yeah. and very much... You know, being at a Jewish school, it wasn't explicitly taught that you must not talk to Christians, you must not right. go. It wasn't like that at yeah. all. It was about respecting people. But it was very much that Judaism is awaiting the Messiah and he hasn't come yet okay. or the Messiah has not come and Jesus was not the Messiah. Yes. yes. Uh, but it wasn't taught it wasn't in a negative way, I have to say. Yeah. It was just that's Christianity. We're practicing Jews mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that's enough. Yeah. 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 So Interesting. yeah. So I met Emma, and as I say, there was just something about her, and we struck up a really good friendship. And she'd come back from Medjugorje, and I, and I sort of said, you know, what's that about? And she just briefly explained what it was, and and of course I thought. Who, who's this mary person yes. that you're talking about and did she, she tell her that <laughs> did she tell you that she was jewish uh, she didn't at that point she didn't and obviously now looking back she was obviously trying to be very sensitive to me okay. bless her yeah. and we're still we're in in fact she might even be listening now she's at new dawn at the moment oh, lovely. um yeah. with her husband and kids and yeah and, and she just explained that it's a place of peace and that mary the mother of god as catholics believe her to be um what is what has is appearing in a place and just giving messages to the world for peace i said well we could all do with some peace in the world yeah. bearing in mind that at that point there were tensions with america with russia mm-hmm. and you know nuclear war talks and mm-hmm. things like that so i thought gosh yes it would be good to have peace wouldn't it and do you know what i mean and as time went by we just struck up a friendship that went deeper and deeper you know mm-hmm. a really beautiful friendship almost like soulmates to be honest which continues to this day Mm -hmm. thanks be to god so this is back in 1989 and um she was fascinated by my judaism she had a real respect for Mm -hmm. my upbringing and she would ask me questions not in a threatening way but in a beautiful way of you know What's it like? What do you do? And to the point that she said, you know, can you celebrate the Sabbath for us on the Friday night? Oh, wow. Now, I probably wouldn't have normally done that. But I thought, well, no, oh, OK, let's let's do that. So we'd light the candles, say the prayer. This she's in your little house. In the student wow, house. Okay, exactly. Yeah. So it was it was almost encouraging or challenging me to. Hey, Martin, don't don't let your faith go just because you've moved away from Liverpool, mm-hmm. you know. And um, and she was obviously practicing her faith. And then, the, as I say, there were two other people in the house. We were on the same course as well. So we did get to know each other very well because obviously we were spending quite a bit of time with each other. And there was, oh, a few months on. So it was probably, I don't know, the December of that year. Um, I was in my room, she was downstairs. And I came down just to say hello, and she was reading the Bible. She was just having a prayer time. I said, Oh, yeah. what are you doing? And she said, Oh, I'm just having a quiet prayer time. I said, Oh, what are you reading? And she said, Oh, I'm reading the New Testament. And I said, Oh, okay. And I sort of said, And I said, "What? What is it? Now, of course, I'd never heard anything from the New Testament yeah, before. Yeah. It was purely Old Testament Psalms. Uh-huh. And I think it's from Matthew 24, when Jesus says, Just as it was in Noah's day. There'll be two in the field, one will be taken, one will be left. Now, this was obviously purely God's grace. I didn't know what that meant, but Mm. I cried in a way that I have never cried before. So she
0: read this to you?
1: Yeah, it just, it bypassed, because I'm quite a head person rather than a heart person, although I think God is is changing that. So it bypassed my head and went straight to my heart and I just cried and I thought, what is this about? What's going on here? Um, And I wasn't somebody who would show a lot of emotion, if I'm honest. I was a typical boy. I was 18. I loved my sport. Um, I'd cry if Liverpool probably didn't win the league or something like that. (laughs) But to have the word of God obviously cut me to the core. And I I just didn't know what was happening. I thought, that's strange. And she just lovingly looked on and smiled because she obviously knew Yeah. Holy Spirit was at work she didn't say that to me but she just gently just let me have that moment I thought okay um and then one a key moment really later in that year she's from Altrincham near Manchester Mm -hmm. she said listen I'm going home for uh, a weekend would you like to come back and visit my family and my community Mm -hmm. and I thought okay that'd be lovely that'd be really nice And we went back to her place, her family in Altrincham. lovely, lovely people. And I remember distinctly, I think the Rugby Five Nations was on at the time. So I thought, oh, you know, this is good. We can watch a bit of rugby because I know they liked it. Mm -hmm. And they said, oh, we're just going out to Mass. There's no pressure. If you want to come, you can, but no pressure. If you want to stay here and watch the rugby. And I thought, oh, I do like, I like watching the rugby. But I thought they've been good enough to invite me to come to Mass. And I had no idea even what mass meant. I'd never been in a Catholic church before that I'm aware of. Yeah. I'm not aware that I'd ever yeah, been yeah. in a church. So I thought, okay, let's go to, let's see what this mass is. Let's just go just out of respect, really. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember it's a, a, sadly, the church isn't there anymore, but it was St. John the Baptist Church in Timperley. Mm-hmm. what a good Jewish uh, boy. Indeed, another <laughs> one, another one. And I walked into the church And I was blown away at the similarity with the Jewish synagogue. So as soon as I saw an altar light, I thought, wait a minute, why have you got an altar light? Because in the Jewish synagogue, we would have an altar light called the Ne'er Tamid, the everlasting light, which signifies the presence of God in the scriptures, Mm. in the Torah. Mm. So you can imagine how I felt. I walked into this church and I saw a light over this funny looking cabinet thing.
0: Yeah.
1: And I'm thinking, why is there a light there? So I said Emma, what what
0: why
1: why have you got a light there? She said, Oh, that's the altar light, because we believe in the real presence of Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament. So when we come in, we genuflect in acknowledging that Jesus is present. And yeah. I thought, Wow, okay. And then I experienced mass for the first time. And I'll be honest with you, a lot of it was over my head because the yeah. language was alien to me. Mm-hmm. You know, sacrament, things like that. I thought, what does this mean? Yeah. But at the end of Mass, I cried and cried and cried again like I had at the reading. Mm. And it touched me so deeply. And I thought, what is happening to me? I'm 18 <laughs> years old. Am I having a breakdown or something? Um, but it just touched me. And all I can say is that in my very embryonic faith i just had a sense of god's presence but i couldn't describe it i couldn't put words to it because i just didn't know what i was experiencing and i met the priest afterwards a beautiful holy man who has passed now father dennis hurley beautiful man Mm -hmm. and he was just so kind and gentle and he gave me a blessing Oh, wow. Which made me cry as well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, really beautiful. And I met the congregation. So Emma's family and friends. And as it happens, an incredible parish because a lot of the parishioners have gone on to be leaders in the renewal mm. or Mary's meals or all sorts of different uh, branches of Christian uh, outreach or evangelization. So the fruits are incredible. And it just really touched me, these people that I met. Mm. And I thought, wow, there is something about them. So as you can imagine, it had a big impact on me. And I started, I suppose, asking just questions. And as Emma was sharing more about her faith, what it meant to her, you know, she was 18 and she was baptised in the Spirit when she was 14. Mm. So she had a profound experience herself with her friends. Yeah. And Medjugorje was a big part of that as well. Right. So, you know, very, very special, very moving. And I have to admit, at that point, I thought, well, I'm delighted for you. That's great. Yes. <laughs> I love my Jewish faith. You love your Catholic faith. We can respect each other. Not a problem at all. Um, beautiful. And as time went on, we spent more time together. We would pray together. And the ironic thing was I joined the Jewish Society in um, Preston and I was part of that. And we had a new spiritual director who came. Now, get this, you couldn't make it up. The rabbi was a convert from the Catholic faith. Oh, goodness me. Nee. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought, what is going on here? Very, very interesting. Yeah. Um, I thought, my
0: word, this is this is a bit bizarre. All right. I want us to go to another piece of music. Um, And I'm very, very keen to hear this story because that is a twist in the tale that I did not see coming. Um, We're going to listen to The Lord is My Shepherd uh, by The Choir Boys. Um, and... Uh, After that we'll hear the next uh, twist in this tale. Listening to awakenings on Radio Maria, and we've been hearing the story of Martin Furman's um, conversion from Orthodox Judaism to the Catholic faith. And I feel like we're on the threshold of hearing how you you came into the church. Because at the moment you you've been to your first mass, you've been profoundly touched um, by the experience. But then you said that you you said um, of of this friend of yours, Emma. Um, that she still had this, well, that's good for you. Um, but i hadn't you hadn't thought about converting at this point you were still quite happy in your in your absolutely
1: yeah. yeah i i didn't feel that there was anything and i have to admit me as a personality i'm not a person who makes radical decisions okay. you know i'm quite you know steady Eddie, you know yeah. <laughs> i'm not that sort of guy and that's okay that's just that's just my personality so i thought okay that's fine and i, I guess the thing is as as the sort of going into our second year of studying mm-hmm. and um At the end of our first year, um, the landlord of our property said we're selling up, so we Mm -hmm. had to move out of the house. So that meant we needed to make a decision where were we going to live. So Emma Emma and I said, well, we would still like to be house partners. And we just thought, well, let's see what happens. So Emma said, listen, um, I go to a church in Preston. I'll put a message in the newsletter. Let's see if a family maybe can take us in and we can pay Mm -hmm. rent to them. Nothing happened, and lo and behold, the priest at the church said, listen, we've got a presbytery which isn't used for... There are three bedrooms there, and it's separate to the church. If you want, you're more than welcome. You can spend your next two years here. Wow. And of course, who's the patron saint of the homeless? St. Joseph. And it was St. Joseph's presbytery. (laughs) So Emma says, Mart, um, how do you feel about living in a Catholic presbytery? (laughs) I said, well... It's somewhere to live, isn't it? So, you know, maybe that's going to be our best option. Mm. And to this day, I remember saying to my mum and dad laughing, guess where I'm going to be living next year? I'm going to be in a Catholic presbytery because there's nowhere else to live. And they said, well, listen, isn't that good? You've got somewhere to live. Yeah. And I vividly remember when we moved in, we needed to go through the sacristy to get to our part of the flat. And... I remember distinctly there were a couple of statues. Now, of course, in the Jewish faith, we don't have statues. And it did freak me out a bit because it felt like these eyes were watching me. Mm. So it was probably St. Joseph and Our Lady statues. Mm. And it felt like they were following me. I thought, oh, this is a bit creepy. I didn't feel particularly comfortable, but I thought, "Okay, this is all right. So there was Emma, there was myself and there was one other guy on our course. He was the third person in the house. And... You know, what a blessing that the priest opened up Mm. the property for us. It was great. And through that year, really, um, as I say, Emma and I were growing closer in our friendship. And whenever she went home, I'd go home with her and I'd experience the mass. And as time went on, I was beginning to see more and more the Jewish roots of the mass. And I could see, wait a minute, there are big images and symbolism here from the Jewish Passover of the cup of the bread, of the prayers that are said. And I could see that some of the prayers of the Mass were from the Jewish faith. So, you know, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, Hosanna in the highest. Yeah. It's a, it's an old testament prayer, it's a battle cry. Yeah,
0: yeah. And I
1: thought, oh gosh, this is interesting. So very gradually I feel the Lord was maybe opening my eyes mm-hmm. in a very gentle way to see, just bear with, see how this goes. Mm. And Emma was part of a prayer group as well and bless them. They prayed the rosary together with really beautiful people from the
0: parish. And and so they would come to to the presbytery?
1: Uh, they'd go to the presbytery and pray together yeah. or in each other's houses as yeah. well. They'd yeah. pray the rosary and just, just, yeah, you know, just a yeah. time of prayer. So I went along to that. And I have to admit, it was the first time I'd ever experienced the rosary. Mm-hmm. If I'm honest, I did think, gosh, this is very repetitive. How many how many times are they mm, going to say Hail mm. Mary? But at the end of it, I did experience a sense of peace. And I thought, OK, OK, not really knowing who Mary was. And then when we move into the third year, quite a, a significant moment happened. So we were studying for our exams in our mm. final year. Emma was in her room and I was in my room. And I thought she was calling me. So I knocked on the door and went in. And she was speaking in Hebrew and she was saying the word Kiddushanu, Kiddushanu. I said, Emma, what are you doing? You're, you're speaking in Hebrew. And she said, am I? I said, yes. I said, that's a Hebrew word that's in every single prayer and it means sanctify us, make us holy. And she explained that she was praying in tongues. Wow. And I said... what 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 does that mean praying in (laughs) tongues what what on earth is that and she explained uh, i think is it uh, corinthians i think it is about the gifts of the spirit and she said she has no idea what she's saying i said but i understand what you're saying that's hebrew so as you can imagine the impact that that had on me i thought there is something supernatural happening here because she had no idea what she was saying so a profound moment to be honest and then that, I suppose that just started me asking questions and thinking, well, you know, what 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 is this about? And somebody recommended to me some books of Jewish people who had accepted Jesus as the Messiah, and one of the books was Helen Shapiro. You might have heard of her. She was an American. She is an American singer, and she had a okay. number one in the nineteen sixties with "Walking Back to Happiness." jewish lady and she accepted jesus as the messiah and i thought yeah. oh i'll read i'll read a book and as i read the book i could relate to so much mm-hmm. of what she was saying because in you know the concept of the trinity was big and difficult for me because okay. in the jewish faith hero israel the lord is our god the lord is one, one. Yeah. so the idea that god could be three persons i just could not get my head around that at all yeah. so it was very much you know wh- wh- what can this mean um, so I read this book and then I read there was another book. I think the, that there was a gentleman called Stan Telchin, I think his name was, and the book was called Betrayed. And again, it was about him accepting Jesus as the Messiah. Mm. And those issues that I had of like, could the Messiah be a human being? Could the Messiah oh, wow. be God? Because that wasn't my upbringing of believing that the Messiah could w- could be God or would be God. It was okay. just like a servant yes. or somebody who, somebody who sent the one. who Mashiach in Hebrew is the one who is sent. Right. So it was very interesting. and But it was sort of answering some of those objections. And then I just thought, right, I'm going to get my Old Testament out and I'm going to look to disprove that Jesus could be God or whatever. Mm. And of course, looking through the prophets and Isaiah, the suffering servant, I thought, wait a minute, there's something here, mm. you know, dying for our sins. <clears throat>
0: Did you have some kind of guide for you at this time? Um,
1: I suppose it was mainly Emma, because I was asking Emma uh, sort of what does this mean? What does that mean? And asking those questions Mm. and reading as well. As I said, I was quite a
0: cerebral person. So I thought, let's read up and see what this says. I'm curious to know if you had a a point in which you changed from uh, not wanting it to be true to wanting it to be true.
1: Yeah, it's a good question. I, I think that point maybe came when... Again, in our third year, Emma said that she was going on a retreat back in Manchester. And funnily enough, I remember that the name of the road, the retreat took place on Singleton Road, which is a very Jewish area of Manchester. Bizarrely, there's a Catholic retreat house there. And some of your listeners might know that a priest called Father Pat Deegan was giving the retreat. And Emma said, what do you think? Do you make me feel called to go? And I thought go on then i'll go yeah. and he was preaching on our need for salvation that we are sinners and we need to be saved and when i went to bed that night i was convicted of my sinfulness wow. in a way you know in the jewish faith yes we acknowledge that we're sinners that we need god's grace and mercy but more on a collective level than maybe an individual mm-hmm. level mm-hmm. and at that night i I felt disgusting. I felt like my heart was black, that I had sinned. I used to take Jesus's name in vain, you know, didn't even think of it, didn't Mm. cause me any issues. And that night I was convicted and I thought, my word, I am a sinner. I need a saviour. And that was clearly a key moment of my heart being opened by the Lord to see that Jesus is the Messiah you know, the one that the Jewish people had waited thousands of, you know, Mm. 2,000, 3,000, 4,000 years for. So a really, really powerful moment, but scary as well, because I thought, wait a minute, immediately my fears, insecurities came out of, but what does this mean for Mm -hmm. me? What does this mean for me as a Jewish person? How will my family react? How will my friends react? How am I going to live my life? Um, And, I suppose in my weakness, I just thought, I don't know how to deal with this. Mm. But Emma was wonderful because she was by my side and I could ask her questions. And um, I just felt I needed just some sort of guidance, really, which brought me on to Medjugorje. So in 1992, um, Emma said that she was going on a pilgrimage to Medjugorje. Mm -hmm. And by that point, I'd read up a lot on Medjugorje and I thought, I believe this is true, I believe this is happening. So at that point in my life, in a weird sort of way, I'd already accepted Mary as my mother, okay, Interesting. if I'm yeah. honest, before I'd even accepted Jesus as my saviour, which yeah. might sound weird, but I can only speak from my experience. But, you know, being a good Jewish boy, your mother always comes first. <laughs> <laughs> so in a strange way, as I say, yeah. I'd sort of started praying my rosary and it became and still is my favourite wow. prayer, obviously after the Mass. Yeah, What? Well,
0: well- Uh, For those who have never heard of what Major Goria is, can you tell us what it is? So
1: very briefly, um, in 1981, Mary, the mother of God, appeared to six young people in a village, a small village in Mm Bosnia-Herzegovina. And she appeared to them and gave them messages saying that God loves you and that God loves the world and he wants to help Uh, humanity to get back on the right track so this was a message not just for them not just for the catholic people not just for christians but for the whole world that god loves each and every one of us whoever we are wherever we're at in life and since then millions of pilgrims have been going there every year and coming back to the faith or renewing their faith having conversion experiences i know quite a few friends who they've Mm. come back to the faith through it Um, And those messages continue to this day. Um, The apparitions haven't been approved by the church yet, but that's okay because apparitions aren't approved anyway until apparitions end. So that's okay. But Pope Francis, I noticed the other day, gave a blessing to the young people who are at the youth pilgrimage in Medjugorje. So Mm. I thought, well done. Thank you, Pope Francis. So yeah, and my experience when I went there, I just, I suppose I went there with the intention of just praying for God to guide me, mm. for Our Lady to intercede for me as to what was I being called to do? Because I just thought, you know, it could be that a big decision's coming and I don't mm. know if I've got the strength to do that. Um, and I spoke to a priest who was wonderful and he just said, you know, do what you feel is the right thing to do, but be a person of integrity as well and mm. continue to love your family Uh, You know, your parents, your brother, your family, because that's really important as well. And I thought, yeah, that's good advice. Mm. And when I came back from um, Medjugorje, I visited Emma and her family. And interestingly enough, her mum said, when your family are ready to know, they will ask you. And that really struck a chord for me. Now, in all fairness, I thought that's great because it lets me off the hook. It just means, God, you're in control. They need to ask the question, then I'll answer. So I thought, I like that. I'll stick with that. So by that time, I'd reached that point where I thought, oh, yeah, the time has come. I've, yeah, I I, I believe that Jesus is the Messiah and I need to do something about this. So our time in Preston finished. I then moved down to Northampton to study a for training to be a teacher so I did a Mm -hmm. one-year qualification and I thought, I need to find the nearest church. And the nearest church was the Cathedral of Our Lady and St. Thomas. Were you still going to synagogue at this time? No, I'd I'd sort of, I was going to synagogue on the holy days. Okay. So on the holy days I was going. So if it was the Jewish New Year, Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, mm-hmm. I was celebrating Passover because mm-hmm. I still mm-hmm. loved yeah. the festival of Passover. But I wasn't practicing as much because... I was in that hybrid situation of starting to go to Mass more frequently. Mm -hmm. By my third year, I was pretty much going to Mass every week by then and going to the prayer group and praying the rosary. And what was it like
0: when people were going up for communion?
1: Hard for me, because Mm -hmm. by that point, I believed that Jesus was truly present in the Blessed Sacrament. But I knew it was not right for me to receive yet because I hadn't been baptized or confirmed. So I had a deep longing, but yeah. I knew it was right to wait. Did
0: you go for a blessing? Yeah,
1: absolutely. I went right. for a blessing, which was beautiful. But yeah. I thought it's got a, it's got, it's, it's the Lord's time. It needs yeah, to be definitely. when the Lord's time comes. But yeah, it was difficult. Mm-hmm. It was, it was. But I was never
0: pushed. We're gonna go to our last piece of music before we hear the end of the story. We're so close, and I'm, I'm really looking forward to. Um, hearing that. So seeing as we have been speaking about uh, the Mother of God this that's the title of this next song and it's sung by the Brilliance. When we come back we'll hear the end of the story um, as as it stands um, with uh, Martin Furman and his conversion to the Catholic faith.
1: Mary full of grace The Lord your God is with Blessed are you to bless all the world Mary, peace is yours The Spirit is upon you You will be with child
0: You're listening to Awakenings on Radio Maria and we're hearing the very inspiring story of the conversion of... um, of Martin Furman from Orthodox Judaism to the Catholic faith, and we're right on the um on the cusp of um you being received into the church, um and you're going to mass, you're you're coming up for blessings during Holy Communion. Um, I want you to tell us what happened next.
1: Okay, so as you say, I'd, I'd reached that point where I knew it was the time to be confirmed, to be baptized, confirmed mm-hmm. first Holy Communion, and. I joined the RCIA course which is the course for adults who are looking to be received into the church at Northampton Cathedral Um, and I noticed that they had a course starting, actually no it had already started I think it was the second or third week so I thought I'll sign up for that Mm -hmm. which I did. And interestingly, the session that the priest did for the first one I went to was about the Jewishness of Jesus. Wow! So I really? thought, my word, I feel at home at here. That's so I had amazing. a word with him afterwards. I said, I could relate to a lot of what you were saying. <laughs> and I went through the course and the course was good. You know, we went through the sacraments, prayer, life, pilgrimage, really good. Um, And that obviously finished March, April time, ready for the Easter Vigil. But I just didn't feel I was ready to be received yet because I still hadn't shared with my parents. Mm -hmm. And I just thought, I just, I don't know, I just need more time, more prayer. So Emma, friends, everybody was praying about it. And then by the end of that year, I felt I'm ready to be received and I wanted it to be on a feast day to Our Lady because I just felt that she had been so instrumental in preparing me mm-hmm. to accept Jesus as the Messiah. Um, so I looked and to, to see what days on a Saturday were a feast day to Our Lady for that year. And the day that came up was January the 1st, 1994, the Feast of Mary, the Mother of God. I yeah. thought, wow, what a way to start the new year. Yeah, yeah. So I thought, wonderful. <laughs> now, in my ignorance, I had no idea that there were set readings for that particular day. Right. So I was getting everything ready. I wanted it to be a Saturday so friends from Manchester could come down mm-hmm. and Emma was there. And I thought, oh, I need to pick people to do the readings. So I looked at the readings and I thought, oh, my word. And the first reading was about Jesus being born a subject of the law. And it's saying, and that's why we have mm-hmm. the courage to call God, Abba, Father. Wow. And of course, Abba, Daddy. You know, that's the phrase you use when you're a child. You, could, you can call your dad, Abba, Daddy. Yeah, yeah. And the gospel reading that day was the circumcision of Jesus. Oh, wow. And I thought, <laughs> Lord, what are you doing to me? This is incredible. <laughs> but the creme de la creme, the reading from the Old Testament was, may the Lord bless you and protect you. May he cause his face to shine upon you. The prayer that the rabbi had prayed over me. So you can imagine I was dumbstruck. I thought, oh, my Lord, this clearly God had prepared this day. That wasn't me choosing it. He had chosen that day. And somebody brought some water from the River Jordan. So I was baptised with water from the Jordan and it was just incredible and to be able to receive, you know, to receive all, I mean, three sacraments in a day, yes. um, you know, to be baptised and to be confirmed and to receive Holy Communion after I'd waited so long was mm-hmm. very, very special. And it was a beautiful day. Um, and afterwards, I went off on a retreat with Youth 2000, which was great because that, by that time, that was a big part of my formation. And just running forward a few months, I was back at Emma's again um, and her mom, you know, and her family, they were just praying for, you know, when the time was right to share with my parents. And I was back home in June, 1995. So it was a Sunday morning and I wanted to go to mass. So I said to my parents, well, I'm I'm just popping out for a walk. So I thought, well, I don't want to lie, but mm-hmm. I was being economical with the truth. Yeah. And I went to mass in Liverpool and it was the first time I could receive Holy Communion in my hometown. So a really special day. Yeah. And the gospel reading that day was, I'm the bread come down from heaven, not like the bread that your ancestors ate. (laughs) They are dead. Anyone who eats my bread and drinks my, eats my body and drinks my blood will have eternal life. John 6. And I just floated home because I thought, gosh, it just felt so appropriate, that reading. And as soon as I walked through the door, my parents said, sit down, Martin, we need to talk to you. We (laughs) know there's something going on. And they asked me and they said, you know, have you killed someone? Are you on drugs? (laughs) What is it? I said, well, you'll be pleased to know it's (laughs) none of (laughs) those. And I gave my testimony to them. I shared with them what had been going on in my heart, in my soul for the previous three years. And as you can imagine, it was a difficult conversation. But the gospel reading was in my heart and Mm. my mind throughout that sharing. And I was at peace. I was totally at peace mm. and you know, my mum and dad, it was obviously very difficult and painful for them, but they knew that the decision I'd made, I had made for life mm. and sort of wrapping it sort of up. Um, I was so pleased. Like a few years later, I met my wife to be Fiona mm-hmm. and we got married on December the 8th, uh, 2007 at Northampton cathedral and my mum and dad and brother and his wife, we were able to be at our wedding oh. in the cathedral. So, I was just so blessed that they were able to see that I'd been fulfilled in my faith, but also in my vocation uh, to be able to share my faith with somebody who wanted to share it with me as Mm. well. So praise God for everything he does for us. Yes,
0: praise the Lord. Well, there have been glossy eyes on the side of of the podcast. Um, It's been really wonderful just uh, uh hearing this the story. It's 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 really incredible. Thank you for sharing it. And I'm sure our our listeners have been have been blessed as well um by it. If if this is the first time that you've listened to Awakenings, um you can find more stories like these on our as podcasts. Um and you can find those on the website or on any podcast platform. This is Awakenings from Radio Maria. Thank you so much Martin it's been it's been wonderful and I wish you all the best for the rest of your conversion story um you would like to yeah yeah so ju- just to finish um it's a it's the beautiful
1: blessing I'd like to share with you a Aaron's priestly blessing in hebrew I was actually and actually wanting to ask you to do that so that's wonderful let's do that yeah yifarecha adonai veyishmiracha Adonai Panavelacha shalom may the lord bless you and keep you may the lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you the lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace amen amen
0: This was a Radio Maria podcast. If you enjoyed it, do please click like and subscribe on your podcast provider or leave us a review. Every bit of feedback helps increase our visibility and allows us to reach more people with the message of Christ's saving truth. And if you don't already, you can listen to Radio Maria live either online or on DAB in selected regions of the UK. We'd love for you to call in live and be part of the conversation. See our website, radiomariaengland.uk, for more details and a full schedule of programs. And do please consider making a donation so that we can keep making more programs like this. We are completely dependent upon the generosity of our listeners.